Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I am so excited to be here for our fifth season of the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it. And it is now one of the wrong, longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During that show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I am so super duper thrilled about my guest here with me today, whose book I just finished and can't wait to gush about it. Uh, throughout his many lives, Miles Barrero, he, they, has survived fronting a Latin rock band, riding horses competitively, acting on various stages across the U.S., and nannying a six-year-old. He has been Catholic, Jewish, and a frequent guest on, at Krishna's house, and has lived life as a boy, a girl, a woman, a man, and something in between. Now a senior yoga teacher who leads retreats all over the world, Miles is passionate about dismantling the systems within ourselves that keep us small. He lives in New York with his sweetheart and their two adorable dogs. Miles, welcome. Hi, Doves. Hi. Welcome, welcome. How are you? What's going on? What's new? What's shaking? Everything's good. Of course, right as you started reading, my doggy went crazy barking. So I apologize if some of the barks bleed into the, the sound. Oh, that's okay. I didn't hear it at all, actually. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> What's your dog's name? His name is Bowie. Aw, love that. And he's, he's a little wolf, uh, a tiny little wolf. Dogs are wolves. Yeah. I I do it to bug my dad, but... I also have, there's some seriousness about it where I will, uh, when we go on walks, I'll be like, if lions, if cats are lions and dogs are wolves, what are bears? And he hates oh. it because he doesn't know the answer. And, and cause I ask it every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do what I would like to know, like, what's the equivalent if, you know, if those yeah. species have evolved, what's the bear? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Cause you have, I mean, I guess a smaller bear would be like a sloth. Something oh, okay. like that, possibly. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, I think they're in the bear family, but I don't, I don't know if we have any domesticated bears. Yeah. So I don't know, something to noodle about. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely want to talk about your book, but we're, we will get to that. Um, but, you know, we all have multiple coming out stories and multiple coming into ourself stories. And I would be very honored to hear one of those stories that you'd like to share with us today. Oh, thank you. And first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I knew this question was coming. So I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my gosh, why is this such a hard question to, to answer? Um, but I guess it's, it's because the queerness and um, transness can can occur in such a piecemeal kind of way, you know, like as in throughout our lives. So I'd like to share two, two stories. One that's really short, which was the first time I kind of came out. Um, I had, uh, I guess there was a, a, a mutual falling in love that happened. My first year after college, I went, uh, I'm from Columbia, South America. So I went home 
and my best friend from high school um basically like we kind of fell in love and were sort of uh having to make out behind closed doors and like you know just like in 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 the shadows basically while we were sort of like while we were dealing with family time and all the other things um and one morning I was sitting having breakfast and my sister kind of came in and I was, I remember shoveling some cornflakes or something into my mouth and being like, by the way, I think I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then that was, that was kind of that. Um, and, and the reason why I wanted to kind of sort of bookend the two stories, uh, I feel like they're like, right now in my life, they're the bookends of my coming out story, um, is because that one felt like it had a lot of shame attached to it at the time. Uh, not a lot of shame. It felt like it was drenched in shame, you know, like it was like, uh, like, uh, such a scary thing to put out, to voice out into the world and just make those sounds, you know, and, and let someone else hear them at the time. I mean, this was probably 1996. So also, you know, um, this was before Ellen DeGeneres came out on TV. This was before, you know, a lot of things that we, uh, a lot of things that are in our current um, cultural landscape existed. So gay people didn't exist in, in Colombia, like lesbians at the time really didn't exist. And then the, the, the second, I, I guess the, the bookend of that is that it, I guess, as I was thinking about this on the train, home. I was at my girlfriend's house today. Um, so I wrote in, I was thinking that it, the, the book actually feels like the biggest coming out story because it feels like it's, it's the one that's the most complete. And it feels like it's the, the one that, you know, now it will be in black and white. <laughs> so, you know, so it's like nobody can argue like what like what the what the all of the phases of the coming outness um to this point, you know, because I'm sure they will also change as my life continues and whatever and as feelings and and sort of like expansiveness takes hold. But um but I think putting the book out into the world feels like feels like the ultimate sort of coming out because in, in some ways I feel like it also what it has done is it's um I've been able to uh do it my way this time which I think oftentimes in the past it's felt like a scramble which is really like a sad unsatisfying thing to to scramble about things like the people that you love basically um and your and and sort of what makes you tick in your life. So, so anyway, those are my two, those are my two current thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, oh, of I, I relate to, I don't know if you've ever, it's okay if you haven't listened to any other episodes, but I have, I have, um, <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, but I just, I, I always just get so excited to talk to everybody because there's just so much um, in our stories, even though our stories can be so different from one another. Um, the like themes and the scaffolding are so similar. There were I just yeah. feel so connected to everyone who I talk to and specifically you right now because like I took notes while I was reading your book and I have like pages of notes. <laughs> I'm not gonna go through <laughs> all of the notes um with you, but it's just it's um 
there's something so comforting about knowing that we, you know, even though our experiences are so different, that we have such a shared experience. Because mm. um, I know for me, I felt so alone for so much of my life thinking that no one else felt this way. And why am I feeling this way? And didn't know that I was, you know, struggling with sexual orientation and gender identity. I had no clue right. I could struggle with gender identity, but I was. So it's just, you know, there's a lot of healing that happens in these conversations and just in life right now, um, getting to talk to people who have gone through it. So just that's totally. a I just got chills like with you talking because I mean, same, you know, like even just having this is my first sort of conversation uh, that's outward moving, I guess. Um, and uh, just having it with you who are in the community and who who have your own experience of these things, you know, it's like I'm looking at you and I see myself represented and that's already like that's just such a a wonderful starting point you know it's 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 so amazing after so much confusion in that i've had in my life about so many things and it's not that knowing is everything you know like i'm not i'm not a huge planner i'm not someone who has to know exactly what's happening like i really like the mess of sort of being in it but i think as a queer trans person the confusion is is so astronomical you know to some to things that most people have anchors in in their lives and and it can make you feel very un, it has made me feel very unmoored and so i think you know like even just that i've come to a place in my life where i can have a conversation with you who has been in similar shoes somewhat you know is just is beyond amazing a them to that I, <laughs> um, truly. And, um, something you were saying, um, in your story about, um, like the idea of, well, first of all, feeling like drenched in, drenched in shame and then to make the sounds out loud so someone else can hear them is really resonant to me. I, I, when I was in high school, would drive around in my car alone and say I'm gay out loud. So like pr would practice saying it and it was to nobody, to myself. I'm, I'm not nobody, but you know, no one else was in the car. Um, right. And that was absolutely like the scariest thing I ever did. <laughs> like it was so I had to pull over and I would cry because making like it made it real. Just saying it out loud was like, oh shit, this is something that's real and that I have to, I can either deal with it somehow or I'm just going to live in misery my whole life. And yeah, it, it exists as a thing, as an energy, which mm -hmm. means that therefore I exist as an energy. You know, it's like saying it out loud, like it's that ancient old question. If a tree falls in the, far in the forest and nobody hears it, does it matter? And I think it does because it still, it still falls and it's still in the forest. You know what I mean? And even though only trees here, trees are sentient beings. And the fact that I, I don't know, just saying the words out loud means that there's energy there and that you are sort of like, I am coupling myself with that energy, which is terrifying, especially, I mean, I don't know if it's still terrifying. I think it is still terrifying today. But I think it, uh, you know, when we were, uh, or when I was younger, it was, 
it was very, very terrifying. Also because there was no, there were no images of me. There were no, you know, there was no, there was no mirror. There was no reverb out there. So it really was like the tree falling in the forest and it's like, oh shit, now what's going to happen? Yeah. I think, right. So I, I think I might be just a few years younger than you. Um, but, you know, yeah, I I remember you mentioned Ellen. Like Ellen hadn't come out yet. And I I almost wore my Yep, I'm Gay shirt. Um, <laughs> but I, I went with this one instead. But um, I remember watching that episode and kind of trying to gauge what the reaction in my family would be and mm. was bracing myself for what um, would come as a national conversation, even though I may probably didn't even know the words national conversation, but right. as a kid, you know, I was like, what's going to happen now? This, you know, and it wasn't good. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't good at all. She lost everything. Yeah. And so like what you're saying, what you were to your point earlier about how terrifying it was back then, I do think it's still terrifying. Now there is that reverb. Now there is the, there, you know, there are mirrors everywhere. Um, and I think almost, because there's so much because there's so much reverb and so many mirrors that you know it's change is scary and so yeah what i'm trying to get at is it might not be as hard to i maybe like generally speaking not as hard to claim one's truth and to say out loud to folks but the it feels like the repercussions quote unquote might still be just as hard in the sense of like I feel like, you know, we've made so much progress and now we're kind of regressing a little bit with policies well, and I see I see what you're saying, but I think the the thing the thing about it is that we've made progress uh the base is still the same. The structure, the baseline of the stru- like the structure is still a cis het white patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. And so like no matter how much, you know, like we do see ourselves more represented. And I see what you're saying that I actually think that can be almost more disarming <laughs> because then you have, you know, there's, and, and there's maybe the thought that it should be easier and all this stuff. And I right. think maybe all of that creates kind of like a, a mental pressure. That's also kind of weird and, and maybe not so great, but I think the, the, the issue is that at the, at we, we've, sort of like we've been able to now see that there are other ways of being, but the core way of being that's, that's still, you know, gets the nod and that still uh, sort of is the base from which everything exists is the same. Mm -hmm. So nothing. So even though things kind of like further up the tip of the iceberg has maybe changed, but the, the base of the iceberg is huge and it's still, it still is what it is. So I, I hear you and I think that that's true. Yeah, that's a really um, helpful way of describing it. So I appreciate that. And the, the visual, um, the way you're describing it is helpful. Right, because I was having this conversation the other day with my friend Caroline about, um, and I'm not the first person to talk about this, absolutely not, but um, the idea of like visibility and represent, representation without safety. It's like now, like because there's so much reverb and there's so many mirrors, um, right. It, it is nice to see ourselves reflected in so many different places, 
but there isn't there aren't a lot of safety mechanisms to protect us now that we're getting the attention we mean trans trans people on as a whole um and so that part's really scary too it's like yeah i want i want all the same rights and dignity and you know as everybody else but i feel like you know a conversation around equality and equity this is exactly that right for us to feel equitable like we need different things because we're not starting from the same point right Um, right yeah totally and i think to your point um i also think that there's something i mean i think perhaps i've been sort of thinking about this that maybe the next phase and I just saw that Angelica Cross is maybe running for Congress or something like that. I think the next phase and, and, and some trans people like in the last few weeks have kind of um, gotten into office in some interesting states and whatever. And I think perhaps the next phase is some sort of organizing because right now, you know, it's like we've sprung. It's like the little seedlings have sprung, but they're like scattered all over the place and they don't know that each other exists. They know that each other exists, but they haven't kind of, we we haven't found like a network, created like a strong network. I almost feel like we need like a leader, you know, like we need someone who, who can um, connect sort of like our reality to the political reality of the country and connect it back in and sort of loop it back in and, and, and help us gather because we're such a wide umbrella that we almost, I think, have kind of started to think of ourselves as as not as just like these islands, you know. But I think I think it's going to be hard for things to really feel like for change to feel significant unless we create like networks and and communities. And I know that we have communities, but I mean communities that are like a little bit more um, sort of grounded in in the. Uh, I think they'd have to be grounded politically in order for things to feel like for the ground to feel like it's actually shifting a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you follow Chase Strangio on Instagram? I do. Yeah. I feel like as soon as you said, we need a leader, I was like, Chase I know, feels Chase like a leader. For president, totally. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Yes. I mean, and it's not that we don't have leaders. Totally. Mm-hmm. I, there are people that are stepping up to the plate and that are doing incredible things. Oh my gosh. I, the world would be, so chaotic and different without Chase. I mean, I am so grateful to him for putting himself out there like that. And and I mean, I can't imagine like the kind of self-care that he has to do at the end of the day to be able yeah. to get up in the morning and do the things that he does. Cause I know for myself how taxing the little things that I do are. And, and I like, I don't even scratch the surface compared to what he does, you know? Um, yes, but totally. I'm going to, I think I need a t-shirt that says Chase for president. <laughs> I'd, wear, I'd wear that. Um, I got to meet him a few, I don't remember. I was, a, uh, well, I don't know. In the summer, it was, I was at mm-hmm. Elliot Page's book launch. Yes, um, I remember. Yeah. And it was, um, it was an honor to meet him. He was Amazing. so nice. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was for like two seconds, but it was yeah, incredible. Awesome. And then, and then right from meeting Chase, I met Alok. And I was like, Alok is not another one of oh those Oh my leaders. gosh, Alok is amazing. Alok is another, I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't even, like, I don't even know they would be perfect co-presidents. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> co-leaders, you know, like Alok, Alok is really, like, so ahead of their time. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the, I mean, 
I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, goddess, for Alok and Elliot, and, uh, and Elliot, yes, too, but Chase, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I mean, really, like, thank you for all the all the representation, right, and the, totally. and the people who totally. are able to, I really, I really believe that the three of them are changing hearts and minds on a, I will, I will go out on a limb and say global scale. Yes, and also, like, like, I, I mean, um, so last week I, I, I happened, I, we may not want to get into this, but we also may, I don't know how you feel about it, but, um, there was that, uh, episode of armchair expert that aired with Dax mm. Shepard and, uh, JVN, mm-hmm. and it was such a, a hot mess. Um, and, uh, from Dax's point, I thought, um, and Alok is, is, Alok and Chase are both the kind of people that that under fire just are they're so quick and so brilliant that it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to argue with them you know what i mean yep. and and not that we ever want to argue our existence cuz i think once you get into the argument you're you're in trouble you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i but i really i wished so hard that Alok had been like a little fly on the wall and had magically apparated and and helped JVN out because I felt like JVN just froze uh, and I know why they froze. You know what I mean? Because it's like so stressful Yeah. and like, and, and I'm not good with, with facts and, you know, under pressure, like when people get into that point of like devil's advocate, well, why, why this, why that, you know? So I'm really grateful for those minds too, because I just don't have the, I don't have the ability to retain details and to connect big things to little things and, 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 and historic things the way they do, you know? And I'm always like, when I listen to them speak, I'm always just flabbergasted. Yeah, I am too. I, I did not listen to that episode. I saw that it happened. I had a friend reach out and say, you might want to listen to this, but like, beware, it gets pretty messy. (laughs) Um, And then I started reading about it before I listened to it. And I was like, I don't need to subject myself to. I don't think you need, I was just going to say, if you haven't listened to it, I don't think you need to. I think think it's, it's also, um, yeah, I I don't think it, I don't think it's worth, it's worth a listen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about what you're saying, because I was thinking about that too, about, um, you know, being put in the position of defending your one's existence and, you know, having those like facts and figures to be able to just like toss it with, you know, and mix in is as a, as a, as a trans person in the world, like we, we shouldn't have to have I don't necessarily like the the metaphor of like army artillery, but like we shouldn't need to have the like armor and the um whatever you know whatever these I'm making a hand motion of like throwing stuff, yeah. but like we shouldn't need that we shouldn't have to have right. um those kinds of things in our back pocket and um I have been in a few situations recently. Um, where one was, I knew I was going to be asked a lot of those questions. It was for an interview. And so I, I literally studied, I made note cards, yeah. I researched, I went to a Lokes page and watched all of their videos a million times. Yeah. Uh, Skylar Baylor, do you follow him? Yes. Yes. Of um, course. Watched all his videos a million times and chases, you know, and it was studying Yeah. because 
like I, I think for me, like I am an educator when it comes to trans issues, but I'm not an educator in the sense of like policy and I'm more on like the identity piece. And I think sometimes yeah. that gets conflated as well. So I yeah. knew I was going to be expected to know all the answers. And so I learned all of it, but, um, but it was a lot of the same like devil's advocate and like pushing and pushing um, around, you know, trans kids in sports or, you know, medical intervention. And it seemed like the interviewer wasn't listening to me. I kept saying trans kids aren't having surgery. They aren't having it. That's that is misinformation. And he kept coming back to that. And it's like it's also really hard to have a conversation with someone when they're not listening to you. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Totally. Totally. Um, but totally. I all of this is I'm just like I feel you know just so you know JVN is put in that position of countering all of the the disinformation and the devil's advocate that Dax is throwing at them and it's not fair it's not fair that we it's, it's are not put in fair. those positions it's totally not fair because like I think there's there's a difference between um, I think there are people that have chosen to be trans educated. Like I, I call it professionally trans as mm -hmm. just something cute, but it's not, it's not. Um, I mean, I think we all end up being professionally trans because we all have to sort of educate, like our job, no matter what is going to be to educate at some point. Yeah. Um, but I think not everybody signs on for the role of an educator, like Chase and Skylar and Alok have, you know, and JVN, mm -hmm. Um, is like a like a non-binary personality, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have signed on to being a trans educator, you know. And exactly. so, like, those are different skills, and yeah. that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm I don't know that I have that facility to be able to uh, connect things so quickly, like as they do. So I'm always really grateful when they can just fire back something amazing, you know that I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. I, I, for me, it's, it just, I think it just depends. Like sometimes I can fire back in certain ways. And then some mm. moments I get really, emo it just gets emo the emotions kind of yes. overtake the, totally. the like, le like the logical part of my brain or the reasoning or whatever, you know, those different parts are um, because it is so personal and it's so, so personal. It's, it's hard to explain to people who don't experience it, but the exhaustion that comes with existing in this yeah. world, in this country right now as a trans person, as a non-binary person, as a genderqueer, you know, as a queer person, but not but, and in a, in different ways, like it's so much harder for trans and non-binary people than like a cisgender white gay man. You know, it's like, they're totally. just, not to say they, that gay gay folks haven't struggled, of course, they have but it's shifted it's shifted a little bit right now and it's it is yeah. so like you were saying like you know just inherently we have to educate so when someone uses the wrong pronouns we have to we have to tell them that's that's a form of educating or you know it's just there's like a baseline of almost like being on edge or or um uh, uh, like, um, yeah, like an arms open of like, what's, what am I about to receive and how do I manage it when it's all and also, time. and also it's, it's a, it's, I think what adds to that exhaustion, um, is because it's not just, it's not just the, the 
haters are coming at you with with all these points it's that oftentimes well-intentioned people who love you Mm -hmm. are also are also um not not doing the due diligence perhaps you know of 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 learning enough and educating themselves enough around the the trans non-binary and and issues and so i think i think what adds to that what really adds like a a hum of white noise that i think sometimes can really really wear me down is is not just i mean it's one thing to get you know all of these things shot at you from someone you know is not gonna you know is already not on board that's one thing and it's kind of like uh, those i can take or leave because i'm like people who are already an absolute no like i'm not gonna sit and try to convince them you know Mm -hmm. But, but it's the people that are in the middle and the people who are like in the middle who who also like are in my life whom i love you know that 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 sometimes just don't um know how or put the energy toward being more um just outwardly like and with pronouns it's it's one of the big things you know it's like I still have people that I love who who misgender me all the time and um and that's that's hard you know it's kind of that gets really exhausting because I know they love me and I love them but it's like that that moment of having that moment of having to either decide to correct them or not or whatever. And it's kind of like those those are almost more harmful in some ways because it's it's also like my despair kicks in, you know, because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, it hasn't changed. It's never going to change. I'm dying inside. <laughs> I mean, it's just so real what you said. And it really is. It's like. It, you you then this is maybe like the perfect segue to start talking about your book um beautiful monster but there's a i i took a note around um you you wrote something along the lines of a deep desire for sylvie to go to bat for you not to justify or to ask or to reason why just to champion you and i feel mm-hmm. like that is ex- almost exactly what we're talking about here it's like the people who we love who are in our lives we just want them to understand us to know us to respect us um, and and not always necessarily be put in the position of explaining and defending and correcting because yeah it really is um, it's for me it is so deeply disappointing and mm. um, hard and sad when um, people who are closest to me are seemingly not as on board as they pretend to be. Yeah. And, you know, I think there was like, I don't know when it was in time, maybe it was the early aughts or the teens in the 2000s somewhere where like tolerance was being touted as a, as a wonderful thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm really glad that we're actually starting the point of conversation about the, the book here, because it also comes back to our, my coming out stories. I think the reason why I wanted to, to point the book out as a moment of coming out is because it's a celebration. And I think as gay people and queer people, like none of the things that I've loved and cared about in my love and my life have been um, have been uh, a point of celebration for the people in my life. You know, like, uh, I mean, sure, I, I graduated from somewhere and, and and my parents celebrated that at some point. That was awesome. But that was more about them. You know what I mean? It wasn't really like 
like like my loves like like the people that I have loved and the things that I have like cared about have never had space for celebration and I think what you're talking about is that there's a big that that middle ground of sort of tolerance and kind of blah like blah allyship where people are kind of like oh you know I I I I'm definitely pro trans I'm pro queer whatever but they don't there's nothing to um, back it up you know it's like what what is like I feel like cis straight people have no matter what like even if even if their families don't like their partner and they decide to get married even if they get married out of wedlock even what if whatever the 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 structure of what it is celebrates cis straightness um, so that even if you, even if everybody's against it, you still know that the system, whatever the system is, it's like, yeah, I married, I eloped with that person. I had that baby out of wedlock, you know, I did that thing, but it's like, for us, it's like, you know, having babies, having like all those things are things that are just like seen as, as, as almost like monstrous and appalling. And it's, I think a lifetime of not being celebrated you know, it's like, I, I would like to encourage allies to think about what that means. You know what I mean? And instead, so to, to move out of the tepid space and actually move into like the pro action, like, yes, like embrace, like, like be in someone's corner, like, like go to bat for them, you know, like that's, I, I'm, I, I'm just, bravery is a much more interesting thing to me than that middle space of, you know, so I've always responded to the people in my life who have been brave, even when they have not known that what they've been doing, you know what I mean? Um, I feel like that's, I, I don't know, that just, that, that just makes, that moves me so much more than, than the sort of like nods here and there. And I think we're in the political situation we're in as trans people because the middle doesn't care enough to actually speak out. I actually don't think that, that, you know, the majority, I mean, I think, I think what we hear are mostly MAGA, like right Republicans, you know, who are louder and meaner and, you know, like, and spout whatever, you know, like they spout words where they, they think that if they throw a word at us, like grooming, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but that's not what we're doing or what we're talking about. Just because you said that word doesn't mean it's actually happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I feel like like if if the middle actually said, no, no, this is not okay. This is not okay behavior. That would stop. But I just don't think most people have a connection to a trans person. They don't have, and even if they have a connection to a trans person or a non-binary person, they haven't like yet... Um, they haven't yet studied or really understood sort of the, the critical aspects of what, what is so challenging. Yeah, absolutely. I was having a conversation with a friend who um, was saying, you know, the people who are in the middle, right. In the, you know, the middle uh, don't think of themselves as the enemy. They don't think right. of themselves as uneducated. They they think that they are doing what's right for their kids. And he was like, so how do you navigate that? And, you know, it's a it's like, how do you navigate that? Well, it's you try to fight disinformation with truth. And um, 
it's it is it's complicated because I think there's also the piece of it doesn't fall on trans people. It falls on the people in the middle who need to right. uh, kind of expand where they're getting their information from. And, um, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, go a couple extra miles and do a little bit of extra work to understand what actually is happening and not just kind of jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about your book. So yes. how did you, like, how did you get the idea to write it? What was your inspiration? It is, um, it is, like, it's gorgeous. Like, it's, it is, not only did I see myself so much in m- most of the things that you wrote about, but the way that you write is beautiful, and it's poetic, and it's um, just, it's, it, Though it's like I'm, I was like in this world with you, but it also like transported me to another world, um, mm. in like the best way. So just so, anyway. Wow. So that was the like incredible. Like everyone read this book, um. But so I'll I asked you questions, so I'll stop talking now. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks, Dubs. You're you're one of the first people who's read it who I've actually gotten to talk to. So, um, that means a lot, like a lot, a lot, um. So this book has been six years in the making, basically, and I, I'm i a yoga teacher by trade, and I, I used to write for 12 years or 13 years or, well, now it's like 15 years. Um, I wrote this blog that was basically the um, how the philosophies of uh, Eastern philosophy kind of hit the road, how the rubber meets the road, because I felt like philosophy sometimes were like, it's up here but we have a hard time understanding how it's practical. And a lot of the Indian philosophies and and the Buddhist philosophies that I've studied and that I love are, are, are meant to be practiced practical philosophies that we can use. But sometimes in our modern lives, that sort of is hard to uh, it's hard to uh, figure out how to do that. And so the blog was just like a bunch of uh, like I, I made, uh, commit with commit with myself at the beginning that I would just release one blog a month, one blog post. And so I started doing that and, um, and I would just send it out with my newsletter or whatever. And um, it was just like a practice that I got into and my students started saying that they liked it and whatever. And over the years, um, people said, you should write something. I had never considered myself a writer because my mom and my sister are writers. And, and I, I don't know, I just felt like that was their territory, but I have always loved storytelling. I um, studied to be an actor. I went to grad school um, for acting. And, and so um, then as I started kind of getting more feedback that I should do something with my writing, I thought, well, maybe I'll put together like a little compilation of essays of how the, these philosophies kind of like meet the road of our lives. And when I started sort of looking at it and, and tinkering with it, I realized that there was another story that really wanted to be born out of that. Um, And that there was maybe a need. And so I wanted to, I wanted to, I thought, and then, so then it ended up, it ended up sort of becoming a memoir and, um, and the reason for that was because I I felt like I really wanted a story about 
joy and love and life is full of hard things. And I think there are some hard things in the book. Um, but I wanted, I wanted, like, I feel like I've been so lucky because I've had a good trans journey. You know what I mean? And I feel like all we hear about are the horrible trans journeys, the people that get murdered, the, you know, and it's, it's so, it's so horrifying on my heart. And I just felt like, like we, like the world might be ready for a story of, of how, how even within the confusion and even within all the hardship, a trans person can actually make it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not that making it means anything specific, but that we can survive and not only survive, but thrive. That we can, that we can become amazing human beings, you know, that we are amazing human beings. Um, And so I felt like that was important, that that became important to me. And, um, and then the question was like, how to tell the story, you know, and I, I, um, I wanted to tell the story. I wanted it to be like a love letter. And so I wanted it to be beautiful, but I still wanted it to feel fair and honest with how the challenges and how critical things can get, you know, in life, in a life. Um, you know, so I tried to put all of that together somehow. Uh, and we've, it has some uh, Indian mythology that's woven through it because I felt like there's something about uh, being trans that's such a hero's journey. You know, it's like so epic. Like even just saying the word I'm gay, you know, like 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 at the beginning, you know, it's so, it feels so epic. It feels like you're jumping off a cliff. Um, and I'm also a huge lover of young adult books. So like I wanted a kind of coming of age, I wanted like a rite of passage coming of age story that was steeped in all of the goodness of the fun things that I love, but had, but was grounded in like, in the reality of the challenges as well. Yeah. Well, you did good. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, it it really does read like a love letter and um it certainly does not shy away from some of the challenging moments. Um but without darkness we wouldn't be able to appreciate the light. And um I I have highlighted here a part of what you wrote that really like so much of what you wrote stuck out to me and um but this one I have four stars and highlighted. So I figured we should talk about it. (laughs) So the idea that we are divine and yet feeling the dissonance that you can't just be, if we are divine as is, why do we need to change part of who we are? And that stuck out to me because I think for the first, like, pretty big chunk of my coming into self as a trans person, thought about this all the time there's a there's a a jewish um like it's like a value called b'tselem elohim which is in the in the image of the divine and um i've had you know people in trainings when i would be in jewish spaces say you know a similar like if you were made in the image of the divine why do you like it's almost like wrong a sin to change who you are um and those messages kind of um, noodled their way 
and seeped into my brain and into my heart and into my being. And so like logically and realistically and physically and emotionally, I know that top surgery and starting hormones for me um, were the exact things I needed to feel the most at home in my body and in myself. Um, But for a really long time, there was that dissonance of why do I have to change myself if I was made divinely? So I'm curious, like what kind of prompted you to write that? And like, where, like, how did, what was that journey like for you? And and like from thinking and saying that to where we are now? Oof. That's, that's what I would call a Buddhist koan. It's like a riddle, right? And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a riddle that really um, fucked me up for a while because I, I I was like, if we are enough, if we are, if we do come in perfect as, you know, like these, these little sound bites that we have, then why do I feel like I need something else, you know, Mm -hmm. something more. Um, And, and for a while I let it, um, I lived that, you know, like I literally, I, I literally tried to, to do that, to just let that be the thing that was. And I think, I think for me, there was a moment where something inside of me just broke. And I was like, this teaching is wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, I do need something else. And if I don't, I'm gonna really came down to the book in the book, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of um, talking about that or sort of like um, processing death and, and, uh, and death from lots of different angles, from identity angle, from the death of my dad, from the death of my grandmother. And I think what, when my dad passed away, uh, which was around the time that I started writing this book, and it was exactly at the time that I decided to, to sort of move forward with a physical, with a more physical transition. Um, it, there was something about realizing that this life, this time, this is it. Like, this is what it is. And it is precious. And yes, there are ancient things that will, you know, I think sometimes we think that because things are ancient, they are quite beautiful. You know, there's a beauty in tradition and there's a beauty in, in, in things that have come been handed down and forever. And so many religions have that, that idea that, you know, that you, that, that what you are is what you are and, you know, stay that way and whatever. Um, And I think that, that, I don't know, there, there was like a real, there was a morning where I just had this realization where I was like, I get it. My dad had died. And I was like, I had this conversation with him at the end of his life where, where I asked him like how he felt about death and all this stuff. And he was like, well, I've lived a full life and I'm good with it. You know, like I'm, I'm ready. Like it's, it's okay. And, and I felt like it wasn't him giving up or um, just throwing in the towel. I felt like it was him being, being real about the fact that he had done all the things that he wanted to do. And he felt like we were grown up and, and, you know, and he felt like my mom was going to be okay. And, and his body was giving out on him. So this was it, you know? And I realized thinking about that moment at some point as I was down the street, this moment is in the book. Um, I realized that I had it wrong. I realized that, that if I didn't do what I was here to do, 
I would regret it. I would get to my deathbed and I would be like, what have I done? Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. And I was like being faced with death. I was like, nothing seems more important to me than that. You know, like than the things that like the things that I think matter in a life, like, like, like prioritizing the people that I love, the things that I care about and the, the, like what makes me tick. And I just realized that I had been living in this place of like unfulfilledness and I was fine. I was, I was okay. Like I wasn't like, like super miserable. I wasn't like, you know, like, like thinking of, of committing suicide, thank goodness, you know, like nothing like that. But I, um, but there was a part of me that was really un, un, untapped, you know? And I was like, what would it feel like to allow myself to have that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I realized suddenly that that was the only thing that mattered, that I, I did not want to get to the end of my life as a bitter, horrible human. I wanted to get to the end of my life, like having lived as fully and as like outwardly in whatever way that mattered to me. And that that was what this life was about kind of. And after that moment, I just couldn't go back and unsee it you know? And so I still hear those teachings and they still kind of like what you were saying, they still have that kind of grip on me, but, but now I have some, I have, it's kind of like, I feel like those teachings are still within the system because yeah. they're meant to keep us as we are so that it's convenient for everybody else. And every time I have that thought, I now have like, like, like this also like giant, like, 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 like this, like, beautiful dog giant has like grown on the other side. That's like, woof, no, you know, that's like <laughs> down, you know, like, that's like, I don't believe that anymore, you know, or I don't, I don't believe that's the only way anymore. So I can still see the beauty in believing those teachings and in sort of giving yourself to those teachings. And I tried, I just think there's equal beauty in sort of like, you know, it's kind of like Shakespeare. You have to learn how to, when you're speaking Shakespeare, you have to learn how to do the iambic pentameter, be-dum, 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 so that you can break it, so that you can be like, be-dum, 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 bum-bum, you know, and sort of all of a sudden, everybody like perks their ears up, and I feel like it's it's sort of similar. It's like I realized that that there's something to also breaking those, you know, it's like those rules are beautiful, and they exist, and they're, and, and yes, Maybe we not to them, maybe we don't, but there's also a different way to do it. And that just became more interesting and important to me. Wow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All of what, yeah, I'm just, I'm just basking in what you just said and letting it sink in. Um, yeah. I, <clears throat> those moments of, you know, like big life moments of reevaluation. And it's like, what am, what am I doing? <laughs> I've had, a, I've had a few of those and um, they are, they are life-changing. They are, you know, you know, um, just, I don't know. I feel like I'm at a little bit of a loss for words here because you said everything so beautifully. Um, but I also, no, I hear you. I, I transitioned <laughs> to help you. I transitioned at the age of 40. 40. So like it got to a point where I had lived my life for everybody else for 40 fucking years, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I was like, is this what I'm going to do, you know, with the rest of my 
wild and precious or whatever Mary Oliver life, you know, like, is this what I'm going to do? And it just got to the point where like the mountain of like my stress and my, like that my anxiety was so giant to try to fill those shoes and then, and it's shame, right? Because it's, 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 it's founded on the principle that we are wrong, that mm-hmm. we are bad, that we are, there's something monstrous about us. And at some point, like, I just saw that that was not true. You know what I mean? That that is still part of the same system that has been keeping me, that has been keeping me small all these years. And I just could not do it anymore. I just could not bow to that system anymore. And that means that we have to create a different fucking system, then it's time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think about um, when I was kind of, you know, grappling with the, you know, B'Tselem Elohim made in the image. Um, Also, feeling empowered of like the the amount of strength this is not to like toot anyone's horn here but just it's just facts of like the amount of strength and resilience it takes to live one's truth as a trans person in the world at this moment in time early in any moment of time um you know some moments easier than others um like that that to me feels divine of like i like you know you know you finding that clarity me finding that clarity and um you know higher beings god the divine whomever gifting me i can only speak for myself with this hero's journey like you said earlier um i had someone say to me um, it was the same person that I mentioned earlier about like, don't you think if a parent could choose for their child not to be trans, they would choose that. And like, they said it not, not in a way to be harmful or rude or just like a, a, like a genuine, it was a genuine question of like, why would you want your kid's life to be hard? Like, you know, and I don't want to be different. I don't want to not be trans. I want yeah, like me the, what you're talking about, like, I want the systems to change. It's not me that's broken. It's the system. Right. And I would never, ever choose anything other than everything that I am and who I am because I've worked really fucking hard, both internally and with those around me to get to where I am that, um, if, I mean, if that's not divine, what is? But let's take that a step further. It's not even that you worked really hard. It's that you are magic. Like the fact that you have lived as a woman and as a man or as something in between or whatever, whatever, like in that umbrella, you have, you have, you have done something. You have existed in ways that most people could not even dream of. I don't understand a system that doesn't see the worth in that. Like right now, there is a huge like war of the genders, right? And take trans people out of it. Like take take the hatred against us out of it. Like men and women, they ain't getting along. Like it's not like they're it's not like things are going great, y'all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And who has the answers to some of that? We have the answers to some of that. I've been in men's locker rooms. I've been in women's locker rooms. I've 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 been like like brought up to like and and socialized as a woman like I know what that's like and now I'm living in a world that reads me as a man I know what that's like you know what I mean and it's like we have I mean I feel like 
like it's not just that you that you have done wonderful for yourself and yes you have but it's that it's it's not that alone it's that you actually have something amazing to offer and we are not even we are not even tapping into the resources the trans and non-binary people have to offer our societies and our cultures and that to me is really sad yeah because i think it's magic and i think it it holds the keys to some of the real issues that we're having you know Hmm. Yeah, I really that that resonates a lot, and it it actually it just reminds me a lot of what how Alok talks about trans and non-binary people, and like the magic and the unlocking and the keys to understanding our society and the disparities. Um, it really is. It is magic to, um, you know, just all of what you just said. It is magic to get to live a life authentically i think so many people I, like, like you're saying like take trans people out of this conversation for one second i would go out on a limb and i would i would guess that the majority i don't know let me, that's a pretty big statement i would say the majority of men and women in the united states cis men and women are not living authentic lives like and, and a lot of them are not happy Right. You know not, what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's interesting. Like it's it's just a point of interest. It's like, well, you know, and I actually I mean, I live a joyful life, you know, within because I've had to make decisions where other people mm-hmm. don't, you know. Right. And so like I feel like my life, like I actually have, you know, like I am creating a different world with the way that I'm living because I am surrounding myself with people that uh, you know like can can um support that and i am like uh you know as a yoga teacher i'm i'm educating people to live fuller inside themselves and and with more authenticity and and autonomy and you know like and also like autonomy and inter um inter uh what is the word inter uh, you know, when we, when we come together, so it's not just like, interconnectedness. Yes. Interconnectedness together, you know, like, like they, they both have to exist. And so I think that there is something very magical. Um, I don't know. I think that we, we, we offer something that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And we offer kind of like the keys to the kingdom in some ways. I think so. I, I think about, um, like, uh, you know, just kind of building off what you were saying around like the choice points and the decisions that I've made for myself. Um, so, you know, and I think I would imagine and correct this, correct this, if this is wrong, you know, going through puberty again at 40 plus and me going through puberty in my mid to late thirties. Um, it's not like, it's not necessarily like, fun (laughs) you know like i i uh, you know when i first started t my sex drive was like out of control absolutely out of control and i had acne everywhere and my voice was cracking but i actually i loved it i absolutely loved it because i chose this i want this so bad that like i'm willing to take those kind of uncomfortable uh you know what we've as a society have defined as uncomfortable moments, but I actually was like basking in them. I'm like, and I had a friend, the same friend I mentioned earlier, Caroline was like, this is how you know it's working. 
like your voice cracking and the acne is like, it's working, you're doing it. And I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And I had a, a my friend's dad was um, talking about how he like hates his back hair. And I was like, I love my back hair. I fucking love it. And he was like, you're going to hate it. And, and it's because, you know, he didn't, he, that's just, you know, he, the grass is always greener, right? Like he, he had it, he never wanted it. And I'm like, I have been envying people's body hair my whole life. And now that I, I'm, I have it, like, I'm never going to be mad about it. I'm so thrilled that I get to like play with my chest hair and like play with my little, you know, chin hairs. Um, I am starting to lose my hair. And there's like, sometimes I have moments of like, I wish there's so many wishes. Like I wish I would have started tea earlier so I could have had more years with my hair. And it's like, but I'm choosing this and I would rather be bald than not live. Not that there's anything wrong with being bald, but am I making sense? Like it's just totally making sense. I totally get what you're saying. It's, it is so empowering. And I think the element there is choice. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't have anything against um, cis, het, straight people. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I love, like, I have friends in all arenas. I love all kinds of people. Like, yeah, you know, um, so I, I really don't um, sort of feel that one is better than the other or whatever. But I do feel, I do feel like um, the difference between being queer and trans and, 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 and cis head straight is that oftentimes you don't you don't think about the lay of the land so you don't make choices you're not forced to make choices whereas we were forced to make choices very early on um and i think the the element of choice is a great element you know mm -hmm. like when when i choose something i can really like yes it yes it may be hard and i mean at 40 uh puberty was what has had some really challenging things like asking your DNA to take a right turn at 40, I think is maybe different from at 12 or at 20 or, you know, is that mm -hmm. a different, you know, and so my bones have ached and like my, you know, like my body, like hasn't really felt great, you know, until recently, you know, and, and whatever. But again, like you're saying, I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't give a second of it up, you know? And I also like, I don't know, has menopause happened? Is it happening? Like, is that why I'm not sleeping? I have no idea. Like, are they happening at the same time? Like right on, whatever, man, like I'm good. But you know, it's like, that's part of the, I don't know. I, I honestly, like none of the changes, none of the choices that I've made, have I looked back on? You know, they've all, all been very joyful. And I know that people like, um, do things differently. And sometimes they, they go on tea and then they go off for it for a little while and whatever. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's, um, any, you know, like I, I celebrate people's journeys wherever and however they happen. Um, but for me, like it's, it's been, but I've also taken a long time to make these decisions, you know? So when I did finally make the decision, it was like, the straw had broken and it was like, that was the decision that needed to be made too, you know? So I think things happen differently for different people, but I totally, I totally hear that, that every, it's like, I have found joy and elation and even the stuff that's not so great because I'm like, I'm doing it finally, you know, and I can, I can rest easy inside myself. Yeah. You, you said in your book that you were homesick for yourself. 
And that really stuck out to me. I wrote the note in all caps because <laughs> I just was <laughs> like, you know, I don't know that I would have ever um, used that like phrase to talk about it. But then once I heard you say it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what that is, is like a longing for something that feels, you know, like when we think about home, what does home mean? Getting to take off the backpack and relax and not worry about you know, being misgendered or, you know, just, you know, you're home, you're safe, you're all, all gates are down, all bets are off. And um, to be able to exist in a body and exist in an existence and in an identity that aligns and feels authentic and true. I mean, there's nothing better than that. There really is not. Totally. And I, th- I think what's beautiful about like, like as trans people, I think we experience that in a very heightened way, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think, um, I mean, I also, I wanted like the memoir to be not necessarily education, edu- educational enough. So it could invite pe- I wanted it to invite people into our experience. And I think part of the reason for that is because I think we all long for home, Yeah, you know, and I think some of us don't even know it. Um, and I, I'm including all, all the people, you know, and so that journey of coming home, um, it's like, why, why should it be, it's not exclusive to one kind of people, you know, it's like, we all have that longing. So why can't we just support each other in that, you know, journey home and walk each other home, I guess, more like Ram Dass would say um, in whatever degree we need to, you know? Yeah. I could talk about this with you. I, I only talked about like three of my notes, but (laughs) time, (laughs) time flies. And I, I, uh, need to bring us into our last segment, um, which is a lightning round of questions. Um, the first few seasons, they were very binary, and I was called in about that. So these are open-ended lightning round questions. Okay, cool. Um, so feel free to answer as quickly as you can or pass. It's just meant for fun. There was okay. one one binary question I couldn't get rid of. Okay. Um, and you'll see what it is. So what's the name of your superhero alter ego? Oh, wow. Um, uh, 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 my superhero alter ego. Um <laughs> I don't even know. I kind of want to think about that further. Sorry, this is not lightning at all. That's okay. Uh, you can come back to it. I would like to come back to it. Okay. Where's your favorite place to think? Um, I would say my favorite place to think is in the jacuzzi. During the pandemic, I set up a little inflatable jacuzzi in my veranda in the middle of Harlem. And that's my favorite place to think when it's cold outside. Amazing. I'm coming over. Uh, <laughs> an influential queer person who has impacted your life. Um, there are so many. Uh, I think Alok has really uh, impacted my life in in the more recent years. I think in a way that's that's uh, so significant because they have offered. They really have offered a lens for me to move outside of the structures that exist and start to explore that territory. And I'm very grateful to them for that. Absolutely. 
What is a song that you can listen to on repeat forever? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, you and me on the rock. Uh, but I, I love Brandy Carlisle. Uh, I, Brandy I, Carlisle. <laughs> I, I clocked that hat immediately. Yeah, that's, that is, um, I feel like I was just t- t- telling someone about that. I think they said, what's your favorite Brandy song? And I, I was like, it's that. Cause there's something about the like melody and the tunes and whatever that like it, it, it ignites something in my body that is, uh, incredible so i am and when she started singing it with kath i was like yes so much yes the fact that like i don't know and speaking of queer people that are like that i look up to like the way she the the way she is a musician in the world the way she uplifts elders and the way she brings like younger musicians with her i am just in awe of her her like career slash business slash whatever model like how she inhabits space so yeah absolutely I agree with everything you just said. Um, a lot of states have proposed, quote unquote, don't say gay bills. So how do you say gay? Oh, my God. Um, all the ways. I mean, I say gay as much as often and as much as possible. I say gay in all my classes. I say um you know, I really like uh, I think uplifting our community the most, uh, you know, and trying to always like I'm always supporting like other people on Instagram and uh, whatever, which is not that significant in the long scheme of things, but it is like, I, I, I like to uplift. So my way of saying, of saying gay is like, let's do this together. So I'm always trying to make connections and helping people like also like in the yoga community, I'm also, I'm always trying to help newer teachers come up and like, give other people space to do what they need to do. So like, I I don't know, like I'm, I'm always thinking about that and I'm, I think I can do more. So I'm, I think that question is still on the table, but I, as often and as loudly as possible, gay, 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 gay. gay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was beautiful. Where do you find joy? Oh, I find joy in my puppies. I find joy in a great hike. I find joy in like going around the, the, I live by Central Park so I can go around the loop. Um, Rock climbing. uh, I've been bouldering for the last year and that gives me immense joy. It's terrifying and I suck at it and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. It's amazing. Um, Okay. Bagels or donuts? Donuts. Ooh, okay. Bagels is the right answer, but fine. <laughs> we can be different. <laughs> Just I didn't know there were right answers in this test. No, there's not. There's not. But there's like a secret right answer that's a joke, and it's uh-huh. bagels. <laughs> um, Miles, this has been so incredible getting to be in community with you and talk with you and to read your phenomenal book, which comes out when? October 24th. October 24th. So I think this episode will already be out, which is that, which means the second you end this episode, go out and buy this book. Miles, thank you for coming out. Dubs, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. And thank you for um, having me on the show. Anytime. I mean it. Thank you for coming out.